0: All right. All right, everyone, take your seats, because change is coming to the Change Academy. So take your seats, please. Thanks.
1: This is the Change Academy podcast, a show that explores the art and science of behavior change, what it actually takes to create positive, sustainable change in our mindsets, habits, lives, and communities. I'm Monica Reinagle.
0: And I'm Brock Armstrong. Well, we have been on spring break for the last few weeks. You probably have noticed that there hasn't been new episodes popping up as regularly as as usual. And we do take the spring break pretty much every year, I think, since we started this podcast. But uh, the difference between our spring break and kind of the spring break that popped into your head is that we have not been lounging on a beach somewhere. Yeah, sadly. (laughs) I do go down to the beach by my house every morning, but it is not sunny nor warm nor um, luxurious yet. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it will be soon. But what we have actually been doing is we've been spending this time that we've had off doing some really big thinking about the future of the Change Academy podcast. And we have some really big news to share with you. But first, we're not going to give it away right off the bat. Before we went on spring break, we offered you the opportunity to do some big thinking of your own using that 50,000 mile tune-up series that we did, I guess it was about a year, year and a half ago. And mm-hmm. we wanted you to take that as a framework for tuning up your own goals, your own objectives and processes and systems. Some of you reached out and gave us some really fun reports and we were really excited to see how that process unfolded for for a lot of you. So if you haven't sent us a note yet, please do let us know how it went for you. We're always happy to read those emails, but um, thanks to those that did let us know.
1: And if you're feeling a little left out right now because you didn't jump on that bandwagon, you can still get the listening guide and the workbook at changeacademypodcast.com slash tune-up. It is never too late to start. Absolutely. And yes, confidential to PC. There is absolutely no shame in sitting down to take an honest look at what actually is and seeing that it's not quite what you thought or want it to be, that's kind of the whole point. No shame at all in that. No. But having teased you with our big news, we're not going to leave you hanging that much longer. We are going to be redefining our roles at the Change Academy. So we have been a co host team and a dynamic duo for more than three years now. But Brock is going to be stepping away from the mic, but he's not going far, just a few steps away into the production booth.
0: So instead of sounding like this, I'll sound like this. <laughs> hey, it's true. I, anyone who's a fan of the of my other podcast, Second Wind Fitness, you will know that I have taken a vow of silence and I'm joining a Jesuit monastery. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, that's... hang on. Wait,
1: I actually know... A lot of Jesuits and of all of the orders who might take a vow of silence, it is not the Jesuits.
0: Trust me. (laughs) I was surprised about that, too. I didn't realize that there was such a thing, but uh, I'm not doing that. But I did hear a podcast where uh, an American politician did just that because he was tired of being in the limelight and really needed a, a break from from stuff and and I actually took that as a, a really interesting way to to frame wanting to make a, a big change in your life. But that's a little bit too big of a, a change for me. So yeah, I'm just stepping back from the mic. And as I like to say, I I'm, I'm going to step back from being the person and become the person behind the person. <laughs> which is actually something that I I used to do for many, many years before I started my own shows and and stuff. In fact, the very first show that I did start or podcast I did start on my own was called Workplace Hero. And the point of that podcast was to celebrate the people and being the people who just get stuff done. And the whole premise of it, which I totally believe in still, even though I shut down that show a while ago, is that some of us truly thrive and get the most satisfaction out of our work life by doing things like being told this is what I need you to do. And then we go off and get it done. And that's basically what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go back to getting shit done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that this may come as a surprise to some listeners, but I thought we could take this opportunity to talk a little bit about the larger process of what it what goes into deciding to make a big life change or a big career change like this. Specifically, how you know when it's time, because I'm sure I'm not the only one who sometimes struggles with that. So maybe you could just walk us through a little bit what that process has been like for you this time around anyway.
0: Yeah, I don't think I'm the typical person. I think this is a bit of a superpower that I have, because I have done a lot of reading about this for aforementioned podcast, Workplace Hero. I looked into how people do make decisions or how they're encouraged to make decisions about how to make big career changes or life changes. And it involves an awful lot of writing pros and cons lists and things like that. And And I think there is a real, obviously, we, we give the the lab experiment every week because we believe in the power of putting those thoughts down on paper. But for me, I've never actually made a spreadsheet in when I'm making these life decisions. I've, I didn't make one when I left my job as a ballet dancer. I didn't make a list when I left the band that I toured with for more than 10 years or when I left my government job or when I left my endurance sport coaching practice and joined you in the way last program. I guess I just, I feel like I have enough honesty. I'm honest enough with myself to know that the time has come for a change, or I'm honest enough with myself to allow the time to come for a change or to start a new adventure, really. Mm. And I guess in this case, I decided that I really I felt that pull to return to what was a very successful and a very enjoyable adventure with I'm getting shit done for other people. And I guess that sort of ties into this life philosophy that I came up with when I was a teenager. So it's glib and tongue-in-cheeky, but I still kinda stand by it. And that's the philosophy of whoever dies with the most stories wins. And I absolutely don't mean that to be some sort of amazing metaphor that you need to write or embroider <laughs> on yet another throw pillow. As, Stay thirsty, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but I that, that ideal, or at least that sort of general philosophy has led me to some really surprising directions, some random changes in my life. And I know that's not how a lot of people want to live, but it's really served me well. And I'm just continuing to follow that.
1: You know, here's to knowing what serves us well, even when it is not the path most traveled. And having the courage to just say, yeah, this is how I do this. This is, as I kind of alluded to, you know, this is something that I struggle with knowing or getting ready to make a big change. I think I get really attached to projects and the time and the energy that I've invested in a project and the success maybe that I've seen with a project. All of that makes it hard for me to step away from it. And of course, I don't even decide what to have for breakfast in the morning without a spreadsheet. So mm. <laughs> I just, I can't even imagine going through this without a spreadsheet. But those of you who remember our episode on goal-setting personalities, or maybe you've actually taken our goal-setting personality quiz, and if you haven't, it's at com slash personality So, But those of you who have done it will not be surprised to learn that my goal-setting personality quiz is the systems analyst. I like to really look at every side from every direction before making a a decision. And you might also remember from that podcast that one of the, the traps that people like me tend to fall into is getting stuck in that analysis phase and never actually making a decision for fear of making the wrong decision. But, you know, this did surprise me, Brock. I went back just to look at the, the stats associated with our goal-setting personality quiz, because we've had hundreds and hundreds of people take it, and a substantial majority of our listeners are actually also systems analysts by, by nature. Yeah. And, um, and the rest, the other just under half of our listenership seems to be kind of evenly divided among the other four buckets. That was interesting to me.
0: That is interesting. That I wouldn't have guessed that for sure. But you know, there's one thing that I I've actually struggled with, like trying to force myself to be more of a systems analyst or somebody who's who gets more attached. And and here's a, a little story. I remember when I was back in in ballet school way back in the 1980s, and we used to have like parties on the weekends because we were a bunch of late teens early 20s so we were when we were set free for the weekend and didn't have to rehearse anymore we'd often have like parties at people's houses because none of us could afford to go out but I remember being really frustrated at the parties because inevitably ballet books would come out or magazines about ballet would come out or somebody Mm. would be stretching in the corner and we're and I'd be so mad because I'm like you guys like we're not in class we don't have to talk about this right now what are you doing but their dedication and their focus to their craft and to their passion really kind of eluded me. But when I look back, I left the profession 10, 15, 20 years before most of them and they had much more successful careers than I did. So there is really, there is a superpower to be gained there that leads you to being more of a specialist I suppose where mm. my superpower kind of leads me to be much more of a generalist so instead of specializing in one particular area I'm pretty good at a, a whole bunch of different areas and and really it comes down to just like what is more important I guess to you Yeah. and yeah like neither is right or neither is wrong it's just what really fits your personality and your desires of what you want to get out of being somebody with consciousness on this planet.
1: As opposed to someone without
0: it. I've been, I've been doing a lot of looking into consciousness and it's breaking my brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think maybe another reason that sometimes people struggle a little bit with making these big changes, these big decisions, is that there seems to be this belief that if we say, I'm done with this, it somehow means we I failed. That, it, that it's a defeat, whether we are done with a job or a relationship or a chapter or a career or a profession, there is something about saying like, okay, I'm calling it quits that feels like a defeat. But that is obviously not true. Sometimes deciding that you're done means I nailed it. What's next? Yeah. It's more an expression of completeness. I did everything I wanted to do. There's no more for me here. Therefore, I'm done and moving on.
0: Or the nailed it is that this is a success. And I think a lot of if you have something that's successful, our entire capitalist society tells us mm. that if something's successful, you must continue to grow it. That constant so growth. Like if you're making a little bit of money, you need to make more money. If you've hired a couple of people, you need to build, you need to build your business. And I, I'm saying that sort of, aggressively. And it sounds like I'm, I'm being judgy. I don't mean to be judgy. That's definitely... No, it's so
1: true. Yeah.
0: It's, it's a mindset that does lead to some really great successes. And if that is your your goal to build a huge company or build a, a huge following or, or whatever it is, then that absolutely is what you need to do. Whether you feel like it's fulfilling every itch or not... If your ultimate goal is to just continue to grow and build and, and stuff, then you do need to stick with it. But I don't think that's necessarily the, the ultimate goal for most of us. Monica and I have talked about this many times in our in our way less program and in change academy that constant growth isn't the goal, like really helping people that we find, finding our people and coaching them for the right reasons to, uh, to an ultimate outcome is way more important than just constant growth
1: yeah or or just that idea that if you're if you've been successful you must then continue to repeat that over and over again yeah and it's not that that's a bad mindset but if it's an unconscious mindset one that mm. we have just sort of absorbed from the cultural ether rather than a consciously chosen one right that can that can eat up a lot of life pursuing things that aren't ultimately that meaningful t- to us
0: yeah yeah well, there's a really interesting statistic, too, that came from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that says that the average worker currently holds 10 different jobs before age 40. Wow. And this number is actually projected to grow, and I can totally see that. The, the general Zers are likely going to have like 12 or 15 jobs in their lifetime or before they're 40. Which is only halfway through their lifetime. Right. I think with our our parents and certainly our grandparents having that one job and keeping it forever and then passing that job to your children was was really the way to go but changing jobs now isn't an anomaly at all it's actually it's inevitable yeah and i think that can be really fun and invigorating like making those changes and seeing what's next and especially if the if you're feeling itchy
1: yeah, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day who was saying, Aren't you getting tired of reinvent having to reinvent yourself yet again? And, you know, that is uh, she was actually talking about, you know, having to kind of rethink the way her business is working and taking it in a different direction. And yeah, there's a lot of effort in that. But as I was saying to her, actually, I find it exciting and invigorating that. I constantly have new problems to solve and new challenges, I would get bored if I already knew everything I needed to know about my job and then just had to do it for 40 more years before I retired. So
0: Yes, becoming one of those people who's just counting down to retirement. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe this would be an opportunity to, seeing as we are going to be opening a new chapter of the Change Academy, and we'll talk a little bit more of that before we wrap up today, but before we do, maybe just... Any reflections on how you feel this podcast evolved over the last three years or how your your approach to it evolved? What are you most proud of?
0: I'm, I'm, <laughs> to be honest, I'm most proud of cajoling and luring you into starting this podcast with me. <laughs> <laughs> Because at first you were very reluctant and we we made a lot of, not concessions, but we were very deliberate with how we wanted to start this podcast in order to really get you on board. So it wasn't just another thing on your to-do list that it actually was something mm. you could get excited about. And, and now looking back on that is... Quite uh, quite funny to think about your reluctance because it is. now you really are the the backbone of how seriously we took this project. It sort of started out for me as being like, hey, it'd be really fun to do this. And it turned into much more with lab experiments and documents and sheets and quizzes and, and stuff. <laughs> things that I probably wouldn't have done on my own.
1: I, I have just loved it so far and I'm looking forward to what's next. But you're right, it's funny to think back how you had to kind of drag me into it but it wasn't because i didn't love the idea of it right. i was just afraid that we wouldn't be able to do it well enough that we you know we wouldn't be able to bring the energy and the resources to bear to make it what i wanted it to be and and you really convinced me that we should start anyway and you were right
0: surprised <laughs> surprised surprise. sometimes <laughs> i have good ideas but, um, but another thing I would guess I'm really proud of or that I really enjoyed about the podcast was it gave me an outlet or a reason to actually talk about one of the biggest passions in my life, which is cognitive behavior therapy, Yeah, because not only did it help me so much in... When I really needed it the most and and turned my life around, but it became one of those things I just want to share with everyone. And I think my family and friends were sick of me talking about it to them. So this gave me a whole other avenue to bore <laughs> people to death with my CBT talk. Yeah. But you asked what my proudest moment was. And aside from just even getting this started was looking back. About actually almost exactly a year ago, I started losing chunks of my vision. I know I've mentioned this on past podcasts. Uh, I have a a condition called retinal vasculitis. So I lost a a considerable chunk of vision in my right eye and then a a smaller chunk in my left eye. And then shortly after that, my father died. Then my father-in-law and one of my oldest friends both passed away. And the entire time I was Under some really scary and worrisome treatments to ensure that I didn't or hopefully not lose more vision or have something worse happen to me, so it was probably the worst time in Mm -hmm. my life. But the point I'm getting to is because of all the knowledge and the practices that I've gained while creating this show and and researching the topics and stuff during all that time, I was able to stay focused and on top of my daily practices and not give in to all the woe is me moments or or give in to, to despair, really. I was able to stay on top of things, re- reassure myself through a lot of help from Monica as well, that this will turn around and I'll be okay. I didn't give up on my sleep habits. I didn't give up on my nutrition habits or my exercise habits. I really took care of myself during that time. And I, I don't know if I'd be able to have really coped so well if I hadn't spent all this time thinking about it and and especially teaching it. Because if you have to mm. explain something, you really have to understand it. It's really hard to explain something, especially on a podcast, when you only have a vague understanding of it. So the deep understanding that I've gained through doing this podcast has served me really well as well.
1: Yeah, I think you've touched on sort of one of the um, best guarded secrets of Coaches and teachers and professors, which is we study and teach the things that we need, that we go looking for, that we have had to learn for ourselves, the things that we've struggled with, um, and also the right. things that we find interesting. So, yeah. you know, there's a there's a little bit of self service involved here in in gathering this expertise, um, and I think that's probably common to uh, why people get into all sorts of fields. But you're right, you were a textbook example of grace under pressure and modeled so well for our clients, the principle that we always tell them, which is when life really, when the shit hits the, we've already got an E on this episode, right? (laughs) Okay. When the shit hits the fan, a lot of people feel like, well, obviously I cannot maintain my self-care routines right now because, you know, this, my life is falling apart and we're always trying to help them understand like, no, this is when you really need that self-care not as an extra thing on your to-do list or another weight on your shoulders, but as some air in your life raft, you know, as some wind in your sails. And you modeled that really well, although largely silently. I mean, obviously I knew that this was going on. Most of our clients and listeners did not know a whole lot about what was going on. And it's just another testament to how well you did manage to kind of keep going through a really tough time.
0: Yeah. And just to your point, just to illustrate the point of when you're feeling really that draw of like, oh, just screw it. What's the point? I had the morning after my father died and I had already lost parts of my vision. I was thinking, you know what? I just want to go buy a case of beer and a Mm. bunch of cheeseburgers and fries and just watch Star Wars movies and just sit on the couch and drink and eat my sorrows away. Mm. But I was able to take that moment, as we talk about in the podcast a lot, to reflect on how would I feel if I took that action? And it didn't take me very long to go, that's going to make me feel terrible. (laughs) Why would I do that to myself? Mm -hmm. So instead, I put on my shoes and I went for a hike and I just basically cried the entire time I was hiking. But that made me feel so much better than if I had gotten drunk and ate cheeseburgers all day. So it really is hard to explain that sometimes to people when they just think, well, what's the point here? Yeah. Well, the point is that looking after yourself really helps you move through that time of turbulence or that time of mourning or or whatever it is, instead of getting more stuck in it.
1: Yeah. And you know, when you think if you had someone that you cared deeply about that was going through a terrible time, would you say like, hey, let me just buy a case of beer, come over and feed you cheeseburgers? Yeah. <laughs> or would you say... Let's see if we can get you outside into some fresh air. We can just walk. We don't have to talk. You can cry if you need to. You know, like what would be your impulse be for somebody you cared about? It would not be to pile on self neglect on top of challenge or
0: sorrow. Yeah. So okay, I explained what I'm. What many things about what I'm most proud of here. So how about you?
1: You know, I think the thing that I am most proud of is the body of work that we have created over the last three years. This. 100 episodes in which we really looked at the project of creating behavior change and positive change from every conceivable angle. I mean, we really (laughs) were very thorough. And I feel like we have created something that I still stand by. I'm so glad that it exists because I think it forms a foundational reference for anyone who was working on creating any sort of change in their life that they could go to to be supported and to learn and to gain real tools. So I'm super proud of our back catalog, basically. And I also know that this, there are people, coaches, psychotherapists who use our podcast exactly that way. A little while ago, I was talking to a psychotherapist, colleague of mine, and she was saying that when she gets a new client on their first session, She sends them to the Change Academy episode uh, episode number one and asks them to listen to those first episodes where we talked about the eight things you need to create change. Oh, wow. I know. And I was so flattered by the fact that she felt like, okay, I'm going to be working with somebody on change. Let's let's set a foundation. And for those of you who have not been listening for three whole years and, and weren't around then, we do have a listening guide to those first 8 episodes which you can get by going to we're going to have a lot of links in the show notes today. Yeah. Get by going to slash notebook But I guess that's what I'm proudest of is that we've kind of created this online reference tool that's available for everyone.
0: I'm also proud of that now that you mention it, but I'm even more grateful to you because, you know, if I'm honest with myself, I know I wouldn't have been as deliberate as we were as a team in crafting those, the topics and crafting the the aspects of behavior change that we did touch on. I tend to be more like, I'm really excited about talking about this right now. Everything else be damned. <laughs> Where you're a lot more meticulous about it and you really did a, a fantastic job of keeping it really um, a lot more meaningful and a lot more... Um, Encapsulated, I guess. So it really did. I do feel like we hit so many different aspects and didn't really repeat ourselves or hopefully didn't contradict ourselves. So that's yeah. um well, so that, that's my you. grateful moment.
1: <laughs> uh, I and I think you did a really great job just, you know, being the counterweight to to my excessive analytic tendencies and my all I'm putting up with all my particular brands of crazy, but we we have been a good team and we will continue to be a team. Let's just right. talk a little bit about what's coming up next for the Change Academy, starting with the very next episode.
0: Right. So I'm going to continue to be a part of this project, part of this podcast.
1: Still be putting up with my brand of crazy.
0: <laughs> I don't know if people actually know this, but I I do the audio engineering for the show as well, which is the the project that I'm returning to doing for other people. As well, so I will continue to to be working in the background, making sure that this podcast sounds as good as it can, and that it's on the website and it's working properly, and it's hitting all of the podcatchers and and all of that really technical stuff. But it's um, the stuff I really love.
1: Well, and I'm still going to lean on you as my content consultant because you know we talk about this so much, and and I so trust your input and your insight. But for me, kind of taking over. Uh, the sole role going forward of the content, I will absolutely continue to talk about the art and science of behavior change, but from some new angles. I mean, as we said, we've spent the last three years talking about every conceivable angle about behavior change, and I don't want to just go back and start repeating what we've already talked about, but most of our focus has really been on creating change in our own minds and behaviors. And what I've become more interested in lately is that when we are working on ourselves, all of that change, of course, takes place in a larger context. The people that we live with in our own households, the people that we work with, and the places that we do that work. I mean, often we spend more time there than we do in our homes, and the larger communities that we live in as well. There's no such thing as a a solo behavior change project Mm -hmm. because all of those things obviously impact our ability to create change in our own lives. And then in reverse, also when we are pursuing change as individuals, it affects all of those contexts that we touch. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested in exploring those kinds of intersections in some future episodes, some sort of dedicated series. And even though the episodes will no longer be conversations between me and Brock, although maybe I'll be able to lure you on every once in a while as a guest. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I still plan to keep the conversational aspect going by bringing in some new voices, some guests, and some listeners. So if you have ideas about what or who you'd like to hear on this show, or you're involved in creating or supporting change in others or in your workplace or your community, I totally want to hear from you. I feel like we can continue to co-create the show that we all need. (laughs) And you can reach me at the same email you've always reached us both at, which is hello at changeacademypodcast.com. But Brock, thank you for being such an amazing collaborator, for talking me into episode number one, which of course led us here to episode number 102 in the blink of an eye, and for being that counterbalance. And I feel like our little sign-off signature tagline has never felt more appropriate, but would you like to deliver it one last time on your way out the door?
0: Yeah, here's to getting shit done. Oh, no, no wait. that's not it. <laughs> I just had to, since we broke the seal on cursing. I We're
1: going to get it one all one in, word. right?
0: Okay, no, for real, here's to the changes we cheers. All right, all right, thanks everyone. And don't forget to visit changeacademypodcast.com for links and more information.